welcome to another edition of Chopped Greens. I am your host, Philip Amarine, virtually next to the one, the only, the... Are we are we going like full beard here, David Hoffman? The very hairy David Hoffman. It's cold here. I gotta... I gotta, you know, keep my face warm. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, do you... Uh, there are people and men, uh, and then women, women, but I, I, primarily men who... Uh, let their hair leg grow during the winter on top of everything else, of course, in their in their face and everything, and then come short season. Leg hair or hair leg? Uh, what's the what's the difference, <laughs> really, when it comes? I'm going to say leg hair is maybe what. Um... Yes, I, I was of course referring to leg hair, um, but the, you know they they trim it during short season. They I don't know maybe they shave it. I, I'm not entirely sure what they do. Never in my life have I have I shaved my leg hair. Oh, it, it is good for you. It is virgin. It is un, virginal un, leg unsoiled hair. territory, if you will. Yeah, uncharted. Oh completely, wow! Yeah, yeah wild. <laughs> A little too much information. Yeah, there. Well, there, no, that's all right. I think we may have found a uh, a punishment for when uh, when we're looking for punishments in our oh. in our next life. Maybe it'll be something to do with that. Either way, either way. I digress, and I digress far, far away from our movie that we just watched, directed by David Fincher, who of course is uh, director of Seven, the uh, Zodiac. Gone Girl, The Social Network, a fairly renowned director, David Fincher, has put out another another epic, another odyssey, another uh, another film worthy of talk, Mank, Mank, uh, David, and uh, you know what? It's it's a uh, it's an artistic film unapologetically throughout. I think that's probably best on where where we start this episode. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. I I think that the film, uh, it, it, we'd be remiss. So the poster, of course, is in black and white, and that's that's for no short reason. In that the entire film is is filmed in black and white, of course. So there's a lot of other old time filming practices found here. Uh, not only whenever they go to film uh, within the film, because since it is a Something of a something of an ode to old time filming, of course, and and perhaps the the yeah. Hollywood of old. But they also actually film films within the film, uh, and so with with that, they use a lot of old time practical effects. Where it's uh, whether it's just smoke being whirled in via fans, or or we see actual it look like within the film if you have a higher quality. Uh, television you can see that there are actual just screens behind uh whenever they're in bigger film areas uh for some of the movies and then of course uh they have some quirky lighting devices that they've used and and even the few moments that modern meets old time i think is where the film missteps at least from a technical aspect um i know for me there was a, a later on in the film. There's a, a scene taken primarily within a mansion, uh, a 19 uh, whatever the time is set mansion, and the CGI feels, or excuse me, the the fireplace feels like it's CGI'd in, and then the rest of the the rest of the film really was was done like I said, with practical effects and practical scenes and, and maybe a, a, a screen behind here or there. But then the CGI comes in. It's somewhat distracting. Wouldn't you agree, David? I, I, didn't, well, I didn't notice that, actually. Hmm. 
but um I I guess I was I was a, a little too enthralled with Gary Oldman. I was also very confused at that point. It was there were a lot of words coming out. Yes, so, yes. Very um, much a, a subtitle film. Thank thankfully that's I think that's the one good thing yeah, about go it being in Netflix is that you are able to have subtitles. Whereas if you were to go to a movie theater, very rarely do they accommodate you on that. But go ahead. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So I think it's important um, if you haven't seen the film already to understand that the the under, the context around this film. Uh, so if you read the little blurb, you get sort of the basics of what you need to know. It's about the writing the 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 man who wrote Citizen Kane, which is um, one of the widely agreed to be one of the greatest films of all time. Um, so so it's about that, and it's about the guy who wrote it, and and his what the years leading up to him writing this film. Um, and it it really is an ode to old Hollywood. It it it's made as though it were made in the 1930s, perhaps. Uh, barring certain CGI <laughs> fireplace, um, but it's it's a it's an ode to 1930s Hollywood. It's kind of I don't know. It's kind of a a, a Hollywood making love to itself. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a film made for old Hollywood. Like anyone yeah. who's who's still alive who remembers that that era. You know, it's it's a film made for those people. Yeah, the La La Land of of the nineteen what twenties you said nineteen thirties whatever. This. Yeah, yeah, nineteen thirties. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 the La La Land with less music. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah there's also a couple references in there about like Hitler and the Nazis yeah, and, yeah. and Germany and, and but it's interesting I you know like you you see it made me think you see so few um like co- pop culture references to to that like to Hitler and the Nazis that are pre pre World War 2 like it's all during World War 2 that that's that's like all the stuff that we hear about but we, like you so rarely hear like the attitudes of americans and and westerners um towards hitler and the nazis pre-war um like barring maybe indiana jones that's like that's the right. probably the the, 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 exa- the only example that comes to mind of like a major film that that like that's in that time period. I don't know. That's just sort of a side thought, but yeah, maybe, maybe if we're going to recent ones, I, I think that they no, even that was posted. So never mind. I, you're right. That, that's it's very rare that we find one that's not centered around either World War specifically in the moment. Not not necessarily how organically people felt about it uh, leading up to it. But uh, I think I think one thing worth noting here, whenever when since we're doing this uh, this film review, film critique, what have you, uh, with the movie in mind, and hopefully you, the listener, having seen it, uh, Mank, that is, I, I feel a little awkward coming into this film because I actually didn't realize I didn't come to know that I I haven't watched Citizen Kane. I'm familiar with a lot of the elements oh. and of course of the renown that it it garners, but I actually have not seen Citizen Kane. I, I assume you have, David. Yes. Yeah, I have. Yeah, once. Once. Yeah. Well, it's uh, once it is that. like it's the kind of movie that you watch and and it you can see why it's so it's so you may not love it. You know, if you're not someone who enjoys 1930s cinema, really old black and white cinema, then 
but at, at the time it was it had certain there were certain filming techniques that that it introduced um deep focus for example um that i think that was citizen kane but anyway it introduced certain um techniques that that were revolutionized cinema at the time and and as a screenplay it was you know incredible and and yeah, so you you can at least at the very least I think most would would be able to appreciate why why it was so uh why it it garners so much respect even today and why all those uh film nerds that you know are like, "Oh, yeah, I think my favorite film is uh Citizen Kane <laughs> for obvious reasons." Yeah. Um, yeah, and then nothing today kind of holds up to it, you know. Uh so <laughs> Whether whether or not you maybe agree with that, like I think you'll at least appreciate uh, the film itself. But uh, frankly, I didn't actually realize because I didn't read the blurb before watching this film, uh, watching Mank. That is, um, I was looking at uh, a list of Oscar hopefuls, and Mank was there. So I was like, oh, I think I saw that on Netflix. Um, well, we'll maybe do that for one of our reviews. And I started the film not having read anything. I saw Gary Oldman's name and I was like, okay, sounds good. Let's do it. And, yeah, I'm uh, and it was only like, it was only like halfway through the film that I realized, oh, he's writing Citizen Kane, you know, cause it jumps, it jumps from right. the, when he's like writing uh, and it keeps going into flashbacks of like uh, the, the eight years um, leading up to to when um, when Citizen Kane um, like actually gets right, written. right. It, it seems like uh, so. Since we're going into technical aspects of the film, and we we broach the subject and how it marries itself to the movie. Obviously, obviously, it's about the writing of Citizen Kane. And to add to that, David Fincher at least took the direction to make it in the style of Citizen Kane. That's not just in black and white, but also with the the fades. The fades and the jump around on time. That Even though I haven't seen Citizen Kane, I know that there's, there's certainly, a, there, again, it's renowned for many things, and so therefore I'm familiar with a lot of the techniques and tactics used within Citizen Kane for effective storytelling. And so I realized while I was watching, I was like, well, while I don't have a full, deep appreciation for this, um, I'd imagine that it's it's certainly anybody who's who's who who is that person, David, the the snobby artiste who finds Citizen Kane above all else, co- will come to appreciate at least the techniques utilized within this to, when paying homage to uh, Citizen Kane and the brilliance behind it. And so, but mm. but with that being said, I since I haven't seen Citizen Kane. The fades made it somewhat unclear on like what time we are on. It, it's jarring. It, it truly did take. I, I think about the same time that you. It took you to realize that it was Citizen Kane was about the time where I finally felt comfortable, where I was in the story timeline, where I felt that I could understand where we are, where where the where the static. Uh, timeline is versus the points that we jumped off to if it was very unnerving in that regard yeah okay yeah i i i yeah it took me it it took me a while also to sort of like get into the groove of what what was going on and and then it, it it again like movies of its time it got very very uh verbose towards the end as oh, well gosh um, yes Look, technically, technically, it was kind of it was kind of a treat to get to to see a, a film with Gary Oldman and and Amanda Seyfried and 
Yeah, and, and, and Charles Dance, so cool. Oh, yeah. Lily Collins, I love Lily Collins, too. Um, all those, and, and like, see them in, in a, 19, like, basically what was a 1930s film. It was really cool. And, like, it's it's it wasn't boring. It was never boring, which uh, it definitely could have been. A lot of black and white films these days can be quite... Um, quite a, a tiresome watch, but I didn't find that with this film, despite it being uh, its runtime being over two hours. So it was fun, fun to see those those, those old timey tech technical things happening uh, with the filmmaking. That was all great. Um, storytelling was a little confusing, especially at first and towards the end. It wraps up nicely, I guess. Um, I mean, maybe it requires a second watch, but but I I, I might I might have to quote you, Phil, where where I say, uh, should a film require a second watch? Perhaps, perhaps not. I think I think uh, I so that's that, I think maybe that's the line, right? Maybe, for me, it's it, maybe I, it's forgivable. For me, a film should require a second watch. It should get better with a second watch. A la, I don't know the 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 Sixth Sense. Or a lot of, think think a lot of uh, of the best of M Night Shyamalan's where not the worst but the best where if you rewatch it with the knowledge at the end oh okay or where whatever film it is that has that same formula uh, it, that it it makes it better with the second watch where the first time watching it isn't just such a slug fest but then we go for it and then it's like oh it's redeemed. No, 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 no. I mean, that's that's essentially Rogue One, where it's like, oh, well, knowing where that we're going to get to a Vader fight. But I digress. I won't. I won't hash out that battle with you right now, Hoffman. I won't. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting that you said it wasn't boring. I, 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 I would somewhat disagree. You got bored. I, I did. Well, it, yeah. there were times where, there were times where I wasn't as vested. I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, of course, we have. I just think that this film demanded your attention. If ever you lost your attention, you were just lost. You you came back and you had to wait, 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 wait. Let me rewind that. Or, or God forbid, if you did not have subtitles on, you I don't know how you fully enjoy this film because it, it is a it is a truly a scriptwriter's dream to write this film because it it was just nonstop dialogue and chatting between the two. And again, again, it's in the style. Look, I'm. I'm with you on all those points. I think I think there were definitely points where it started to lose me. I watched it without subtitles. I think that was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, just just to be able to follow all, all of the, the the lines and stuff. Yeah. They, especially in that one, the scene in that in the dining room, in the dining hall, I should say, yeah. Um, was yeah. It was it was a it was a challenging challenging to follow that. Um, but I, I I don't know I, I I noticed we've sort of we've moved off of technical and and we're talking about the script now. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a very impressive screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I, it's certainly not for everyone. It's certainly not for everyone, and it, it it is it gets quite wordy. It is wordy throughout. Um, but but the characters are are brilliantly written. I don't know what it was based on. Based on maybe just research, uh, or if someone had written a novel about. It. I don't know. I have no idea. I haven't done I haven't looked that up but however this screenplay was written I mean it was written very very well and the characters yeah. are, are fantastic and the directing too also um c- couldn't find a complaint really 
Um, and uh, the acting measures up. Like, I mean, you can't sort of you can't go wrong with Gary Oldman Keep- and Charles Dance and and Lily Collins and and everyone. Like, I'm not a not a single fault throughout the film that that really stood out to me it was in in reference to the script uh you're right you don't know all the all the points or what what was the research point but it was clear that there was a lot of research put into the script because there were so many just uh, there they weren't even easter eggs they were just part of the linguistics or part of the the vernacular that that everybody was using that it was just it felt so organic uh when it when I'm, when in talking to references of the time whether we're talking about Sinclair or Hedda or whatever the people, important people are at the time, they didn't feel like name drops. They just felt organically being brought up as as if you were truly to peep in on a conversation in in the the thirties upper upper echelon of people in the Hollywood elite in L.A. And you were just just peep in. That would just be what the talk was. And you know, I again, I I it's it's written in the style. It's written well for the style. I just maybe mm. maybe this is more of an indictment about myself and my personality and and how what I enjoy, but it was just it was a lot to consume at least at, verbally than it was anything else. And I feel like I lost a plot point or two as to what yeah, I, I don't I, yeah. I don't know where I got lost and maybe it's because I hadn't seen Citizen Kane maybe it's because I just didn't fully catch every little thing in the film while I was writing down a note here or there I, I don't know where but because of how wordy it was it didn't allow for the best of first viewings as as quality as it as it remains to be as as it remains to be yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on all those points. Um, um, so when we, when let's let's transition to you said casting. So uh, let's go there. Of course, Gary Oldman, man, I, when he gives into a role, he he truly is is astounding. He's he's. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a bad performance. Uh, and like you can't you can't actually say that about. I mean, I haven't seen all of his films. But you can't say that about a lot of actors. Like you, I've definitely seen great actors do roles that are kind of like, well, eh, well, not bad necessarily, but like nothing special. But every time I see Gary Oldman play a role, it's 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 impressive. It's it impresses me more than most. Yeah, some some aren't necessarily his best, but you're right. Never having a, a bad one. You know what? Some people will will uh, jump on him for. I believe it's called. Uh, man, what was it called? Or um, what's the what's the plane that the president of the United States flies on? Air Force uh, One. David, Air Force One, is that it? Yeah. So Air Force One is the film I think right now that uh, most people would say he has the worst performance in, or it's it's probably the most divisive. It's that's uh, that's probably the best way to frame that performance. Anyways, the point being. Is you brought up the casting time and time again. I'm not going to go over that, but we we have a lot of top quality performers in the in the su- subsequent roles. Uh, of course, we got Gary Oldman taking the beat. Amanda Seyfried plays Marion Davies. Lily Collins, Rita Alexander. Uh, Tom Pelfrey plays Joe Mankiewicz. And then uh, I, my personal standout performer of the of the group goes to the person who plays Louis B. Mayer. Louis B. Mayer is played by Arliss Howard, or maybe it's Arlise Howard, but Arliss Howard. And David, he just has a tremendous 
performance. I, I honestly, he was probably my favorite performance. I get Gary Oldman has is really, ha- yeah. No, you see, I, I, I don't see how I don't see how anyone rises above Gary Oldman in this film. Again, at all, the best performance, Gary Oldman. There's no doubt about it. But I'm saying for my favorite, like any time, any time Louis B. Mayer was on screen, I was actually intrigued and and wanting to have him have more lines, and so I could watch him more. I, I just, I loved him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I think the only the only one that was really of no like again like I I really like Lily Collins and I love Charles Dance. I think he's fantastic. Actually, I think he might be my second favorite um, after Gary Oldman. Um, yeah, but for me, Gary Oldman was the only Charles one that Dance, really of course, plays really, William William Hurst. Just just as a point of reference. Yes. Um, and and he obviously plays Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones. Yeah, That's what he's best yeah. known for. Yeah. Um and yeah, so he he was good. He always is and uh like he's just got such a presence. Um but Gary Oldman for me like it was just astonishing. Um I, like again, I've got no complaints about anyone really acting wise in this film. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually that's a fair point. I think this is the first time in a while that I've seen a movie with no weak performances on even to the supporting level cast. Wow. Right, yeah. Just strong, strong all around. Um, and everyone really, really got into the, the, the style of oh, the, 1930s oh, yeah, period, Hollywood. Yeah. That, that, um, that almost, almost British sounding voice, you know, where it's an American accent, but it, uh, Everything's it almost clear, sounds yeah. British sometimes. Yeah. So that, like that, I mean, everything, and maybe it helped that they did cast a couple British actors in the film but but you know everyone sort of got into that style of acting as well that sort of 1930s style of acting it was it was it was just it permeated the entire film and i mean that's what made the film work in my opinion you know it's it's everyone sort of really committing to that 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 vibe yeah sorry i <laughs> i uh... To pull the curtain back just a little bit, I, I, we lost our connection there for a little bit, so I didn't hear your exact last part. But you're uh, you're absolutely right. As far as casting, it's all it's all good. Um, really, truly, all all good. I have no complaints on casting. Um, finally, I guess, I guess, there, what much what much more is there, David? Um, we just have to kind of talk about how your overall thoughts were of the film. Did you would you say that this yeah. this film warrants a rewatch. You said it's probably best to give it a rewatch. Yeah, I mean, look, it makes me it more it more makes me want to rewatch Citizen Kane than, you know, yeah. and then maybe I'd rewatch it. Wow, what a I what mean, a valid point. This is the Yeah, like this is what what I what I was kind of saying at the beginning is I'm not sure again, like I think I've said this for other films. I don't know who this films that we've reviewed I don't know who this movie is is really for other than like just the small group of people who really appreciate old Hollywood because okay I, I had a, a film teacher uh, when I studied acting uh, Stu Levin who passed away um, last month uh, which was very sad for me because he was a he was a friend as well as a, a mentor um, yeah. Hell but, fellow you know, well he's met. the one who 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 the, the re- only reason I've seen Citizen Kane 
is because of him, you know, and, and he told me all, you know, all the, the history around it. And, and Citizen Kane is, if you haven't seen it, it's essentially an, a rich guy dies. His last word was rosebud and nobody knows what it means. And so there's this sort of frantic frenzy to find out what the hell rosebud means. Uh, was it a woman, whatever. And, uh, and, so, like, you just get a snippet of it in Mank, where um, one character jokes to, to Mank that, uh, or he says something about a rumor that Charles Dance's character, uh, Hurst, that it was the, his, his nickname for his wife's genitalia was Rosebud, and that's where it came from. And, and Stu Levin, my mentor, told me that story. So I'd heard, and hearing that in the movie, it just made me think of him. Um, but again, if you don't have that like prior knowledge, then I don't know what the, I don't what know the how story much does you're going to get out of this film. Yeah, right. I mean, you, if you've seen Citizen Kane, then I think that's enough for you to really get some enjoyment out of this film. Um, but you'll enjoy it most if you really understand the story around Citizen Kane and like sort of the the, the rumors that that went around after the movie was released about about William Hurst and all that. So. For me, it was really enjoyable, but I mean, overall, like the context is so important. And unless you've got like, just you're so sharp on on hearing like every single line in the film, then maybe you might sort of pick up on on everything it's trying to tell you. But but it, it really is quite complex and 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 so i don't know i don't know how well received especially for a netflix film you know is netflix the place to for <laughs> this kind of film to be you know i don't i don't know i was going to say that that's one of the my last points here is that this film more so than a lot of others that i've seen this film actually i think is is a weird film that I, is best seen in in theaters i know that we we say that a lot about big blockbusters yeah, like, like star small, wars well like small Los Angeles theaters, sure, sure. Like small theaters around Los Angeles is the ideal place. Sure, like indie theaters, you know, like the, that. Yeah, this film would, but, would but even, smash in those kinds. Sure, of places. even an AMC. But the reason why I say it just it needs it, it almost d- derives off of it. It, it, it kind of demands that it, it be seen in theaters. Is that I think there is the least amount of distractions. Whenever you bring this to a streaming service, you're kind of the wink, wink, nod, nod is that, hey, you can pause this at any time and go about like we don't necessarily care that you're you keep your rapt attention here. Whereas the goal in a movie theater is that you are you are going there. You're you're signing up to to look to have an experience the entire time. Yeah, no, I, I I agree completely. But I mean, we also have to acknowledge that that was that was absolutely the point, because this film was. Being what it is, being an ode to old Hollywood, the screenplay being what it is, this film was always going to be be uh, earmarked for for Oscar consideration. Oh sure, um, absolutely. It, it, at the very least, it may you know it could get a Best Picture nod. I was going to say, David, I wouldn't be surprised. When you ask who, the, who's, in the least, who is this audience for? The audience is for for it's an Oscar. Oscar. <laughs> yeah, this is just. I don't. I don't yeah. think that this. This is like it's yeah, it's Roma of the year where it's like they didn't care that it was going to only appeal to a, a really small segment. It, it's right. No, you're you're absolutely right. But anyway, so it's um, so it was made. For the Oscars, I'm pretty. It must have been made pre-pandemic, given right. given the size of you know everything, um, and and so it was made for the Oscars, which means that it would have had to have a theater run pre pre 2020. 
you know, before before 2020, in order to be eligible for the Oscars, you had to have, I think, at least two weeks uh, in theaters. Yeah, the rules are a little j- and so, janky. So, so th- that's all changed this year, and and they had to adjust and and you know what? Where else? What else do you do? You you put it on Netflix, and and I'm you know I'm glad it was because oh, that I, meant that I could see it. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, I don't fault the movie in any way, shape, or form. That yeah, no, I know yeah. you're not. Okay. I'm just. Right, just just because it's not in a film or in a movie theater that I was only able to see it there doesn't mean that I I take any detriment to the to the film because of that. But you're right, you're right. I, I obviously it's not possible. I just I more so than even a blockbuster. Some some films I think can get away with it. Like people, I don't know. I think I heard somebody claim that about like Lego Movie. Oh, it's better in the th- theater. I don't know. I mean, I think that that's a film that loses a little bit. A lot I think of most things are better in the theater. Yeah, a lot of films lose their luster in the theater. The only one that I kind of would say that is best seen at home is probably like The Irishman, where it's like, I could not imagine sitting in a theater for the, the entirety of The Irishman. <laughs> My God. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. I mean, it was bad enough at home. Uh, but maybe that's the point. Maybe too many distractions makes it too tempting to turn it off. Who knows? Or pause it or something. I, I watched it in like three installments, I think. Um, All right. But anyway, David. as for recommend... Like, yeah, go on. I was just going to say, who would you recommend this to? Who like, Or would you... Does this merit a, a recommendation? And uh, who would you recommend this film to? Um, I would recommend this film to anyone who's ever seen a movie pre-1950 and enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. I. That's... that's exactly. Exactly. I, I echo everything yeah. you just said. Uh, and then... What would you rate it? What would you rate it on a scale of zero to five? Ooh, zero. Um, again, like I, my, 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 on my letterboxed account, um, my, I try to skew things more towards leaving more room at the top end of the scale for films to be good. Uh-huh. So I'd say four, out, four stars out of five, and that's that's a very that's for me that's that's excellent. Wow. Wow, I yeah, I know we're just we're we're gonna disagree on this, but I have a two, that's okay. I, we should we should disagree sometimes. Yeah, I have a two out of five on this one, and I and I two out of five. It, okay. It's not that it's a shit show or anything. It it really is. It's not a bad film. It's just the fact that I need to watch another film in order to have it be fine is kind of oh to the absolutely. It's kind of to the detriment of it, and then also in the style of it, it. It it loses me at a time. I I, I will See, admit, and those are the things that I really liked about it. So I, I you know I perhaps watching Citizen Kane would change your rating. I think that almost certainly sure. would. Um, but absolutely, I, I think that is the biggest flaw with this film is that you know you can, you you kind of have to see the other one first. It's almost like it's a sequel. Yeah, like I never saw the room, but the disaster artist like, is fantastic. Yeah, you know it's like it's like watching the making of documentary. Um, without having seen the show or film, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I totally, I totally um, agree with you. It's just that I obviously I have seen the right. film, so I think we just have different, we just have different perspectives on this. So yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, thank you for you, yes, you, the listener, listening in on this episode. We appreciate you listening to this and all of our Chopped Greens episodes for. David Hoffman, you guys can find me on Instagram at David Hoffman underscore actor. I am an actor. 
and <laughs> Hoffman, double that F, double that N. You uh, you probably heard me say it a hundred times by and now. And yet we want to hear you say it a hundred times more, just like you're like, Harry. Let it grow. Let it grow and let it show, baby. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Continue to listen to our accompanying pod, or our accompanying episode in the next podcast uh, episode we got going, which will be the Give Me Five. And uh, remember, guys, stop worrying. Have a pickle. <laughs>